I'm Michael Taylor. And I'm Phil Franca. And welcome to Real Retro. Let's take a brief look at movie news. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Fox's upcoming movie, Hidden Figures, has been slated for a limited theatrical release in December, which will qualify the film for the 89th Academy Awards. To qualify for the Oscars, a film must be given a theatrical release prior to any other form of distribution. The film was originally slated for a January 2017 release, but was given a limited release on Christmas Day 2016 to qualify it for this year's Academy Awards. Hidden Figures is a film telling the story of three African-American women who worked as mathematicians in several early NASA space programs. Look for it in select theaters Christmas Day or January 6, 2017 for its wide release. And from Cinema Blend, more information on the upcoming Star Wars film Rogue One. A recent interview has revealed the movie will delve into the backstory of its protagonist, Jin Erso. Jin will be shown at three different ages, as a four-year-old, an eight-year-old, and as a young woman played by Felicity Jones. Reportedly, Rogue One will add much to the Star Wars canon, including new alien species, planets, and, of course, the details of the Rebellion mission that secured the plans for the Death Star, so integral to the plot of Star Wars Episode IV. Rogue One is set for release on December 16, 2016. Thanks for those updates, Michael. Today on Real Retro, we'll be discussing what it is about movies that makes them so great. If there's soul and heart and dedication into it, it could be one of the best movies ever made. But first, let's learn a little more about movie making with our segment, Word on the Set. Today's Word on the Set describes something you are all familiar with, but might not know what it's called. You've probably seen a behind-the-scenes featurette or blooper reel where there was a black-and-white hinged board. Well, that thing has a name, the clapperboard. Yes, so a clapperboard, also called a clapboard slate or film slate, has two main purposes. The slate or board part of it displays important information, such as what movie it's for and the scene number, while the clap stick creates a loud sound that allows the video and audio to be easily aligned during editing. We're here at our local theater in Tallahassee, Florida, asking people to give us their take on movies. So, what's your name? Jared. Angel. My name is Chris. Allison. Uh, Josh. I'm Devin. Cindy. Michelle. It's a Thursday night, so the theater isn't exactly bustling, but a steady trickle of customers are here to spend 12 bucks for a night at the movies. What is your favorite genre of movie? I like animated movies. I don't know if that counts as a genre, but just kids' movies in general. Thrillers. Um, horror. Um, action. Mine would have to be like sci-fi. Action comedies. Um, comedy. Why comedy? Because it brightens my day whenever it's horrible. My favorite genre is good stories. So, what do you think is the most important part of a movie between things like plot, acting, and visuals? Bringing it all together, understanding all of it from a point of view of logic from beginning to end. It has to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. I would say the plot is the most important. I think it's the plot just because that's what keeps the audience watching the movie. Um, I'd have to say the plot because even if I watch like an old like cult comedy or cult movie, you know, the acting may not be so good, but if it has a really good plot, everybody loves it. 
I can get around bad acting. I didn't appreciate the plot. Plot is a big thing, but I think a lot of people forget about like representation in movies. Like I feel like the casting and things that's a big deal for me. Like if I don't if I if I watch a movie and I don't see anyone who looks like me, race wise, like if I just see like white people, no offense to any white people out there, like just white people in a movie, like I leave that movie feeling like even if it was a good plot, even if it had great visuals, um, I don't feel any kind of connection to it. And being realistic, taking me in there so that I believe it, I think that's the most important. I, I think the most important thing is the writing, and then the second most important thing is the acting. Pacing is probably third for me, and um, of course settings, is, you know, they can be so amazing that they're distracting, but... So, I mean, you can have a really good movie with good writing and with good acting, I think. Do you think that the acting might detract from uh, the realism that you were talking about in movies? If it's bad. Yeah, if it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bad. oh, completely. Completely. You know, if you have a dramatic scene that's well written and, and somebody who just can't carry it off, you just it, it looks wooden, doesn't it? It looks yeah. silly. It looks like, oh, go back to acting school immediately right. and you can be ruthless immediately and by the same token if you have a really great actor and the writing is just awful that's almost as painful to watch and today was really interesting because we saw you know a movie about a real man who's been on tv a lot so we know who he is because we've seen him on tv and tom hanks had to represent him and we were com i was completely taken in by him that he was the real man he's a great actor Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you know, that would probably be the hardest thing in the world, right? Yeah. To represent somebody who's still alive and living and on mm -hmm. television. Uh, could you describe how you feel when you're watching a really good movie? I always find myself on the edge of the seat, like, leaning forward in a really uncomfortable position because I'm just so entranced in the movie and, like, I have to absorb every, every like, visual. And every, I just, I love it. Completely engrossed uh, to the point where it takes over my emotions. Good or bad? I just vibe out to it. I guess what he's saying, just vibe. <laughs> I feel like I'm in the movie. Like, you know, you're sitting in it and it's just right there. I mean, even in the action scenes, you know, you feel like you're in the car wrecks or whatever. It's an attraction, you know? Like, it keeps you, it keeps you into it and, like, wish that you were in it kind of thing. Oh my gosh, I feel super bubbly and fuzzy inside, like this mic, but even like fuzzier. And I just feel good. Euphoric. That's a good word for it. Euphoric and fuzzy. Definitely fuzzy. And I feel um, completely free. Like I don't have to worry about anything else in the whole world. It's kind of like um, swimming or something. That's it. I've been told to turn off my phone and just sit back. And this theater in particular was amazing because it had reclining seats. So yeah. I feel like I'm finally just away from the world and that's the best feeling. Can you think of a time when a movie really impacted you? When I first saw the movie in 2001, I must have been, I don't know, 16 or 18 and it was about science fiction and other worlds and it was done so beautifully and so well, as you know by Stanley Kubrick, about going to the moon and going to Saturn and it completely changed me about the future and what life was all about. Folks of being a wallflower just like literally taught me that like it was okay being any type of person you are, like not to worry about what anyone else thinks about you. Just be who you are, go with the flow, and don't let anyone hinder you from yourself, I guess. Um, I can remember going to see a movie, the movie Inception, when it came out, and I had no idea, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anything like, you know, so going into it, that was one of the like 
real like movie experiences I can remember just like I was affected by it walking away just thinking about it for hours. I'm old. <laughs> I remember going to see The Sound of Music. To me that was just the most beautiful scenery I had ever seen. And I still watch it today. She bought me the tape and I watch it all the time. <laughs> um, mine would have to be uh, the movie Blindside. Uh, because I played football in high school and stuff like that, so just seeing him get grow up in like a rough part and then becoming something great, even now to this day, just inspires me. So the Grudge—that's what mainly got me in horror. Because as a kid, that was the only movie that really kind of put fright into me. Mine probably was God's Not Dead, just because I liked the fact that it was getting that out to people and may have caught people's attention to it. And. Yes. The first time I saw Star Wars, I I just had to keep going back and seeing it over and over again because of the way they handled the motion down through the canyons. I'll never get over that. And that was maybe my first experience with, I don't even know if it was digitized, but it was it was like a, a visceral feeling that I was actually the person in the little, whatever those Yeah, like you're were. in a ride at Disney or something. Yeah, it was yeah. amazing. So that's the first time I think I remember Besides Bambi. <laughs> yeah, I think we all felt something there. When the, when the mother deer died. Or maybe even Snow White with a, you know, dwarfs and a yeah. witch, right? That was scary. You're right, even earlier. Um, I would say probably, um, I don't know, Steel Magnolias probably um, was one. Um, I watched it with my mom in a theater, so that was, that was kind of impacting. And then Grease has always been a pretty impactful that's to me one. but that's just because it's a fun movie and musical so yeah do you sing along with it oh also? yeah <laughs> can you can you sing no <laughs> there was two movies that impacted my life dramatically growing up um inception was actually one of them um the thought of going into a deep trance of sleep and then going into a deep trance of sleep after that and living a whole life and waking up is just mind-blowing you know, like, it just it just opens up a whole new wave of how you sleep, you know, and how you can get to sleep and how, what you can do in your sleep. You know, your mind is only at a certain percent. You know, you, th you know there's got to be different ways for you to use it. Mm -hmm. And also the movie, um, what was it, where the fuzzy television and the ghost came in? Um, uh, Poltergeist? No, no, it was... Yeah, the ring. The ring was insane because my grandmother actually had a prior experience to that before it what? happened, and so did I. And then the movie came out, and that's whenever my my grandmother started actually doing that, and it was crazy. My mother was a big movie person. We went to the movies at least three or four times a week, and drive-ins, regular was a walk-in. And uh, I remember her taking us to see uh, Mary Poppins. When, when I was about 10. You know. I am old, but it was, I mean, you know, that was just unreal because that animation hadn't been heard of back then, you know, with, when they were dancing with the horses and stuff. Mm -hmm. That was cool. Do you prefer drive-ins or just like theater movies? Well, when I was younger, now not when I was a teenager, but when I was real young, my mother did stuff like bowl. And then every night after bowling, we'd stop by and watch drive-in. But then as I got to be a teenager, you know, that's a whole different thing. Right. Now I like just, I mean, I love these rocking chairs. I've never been in one with rocking chairs. Recliners? Or recliners. Yeah, those are good. Those are nice. Yeah. If you were given a $50 million budget to make a movie, what would the plot be? Oh, <laughs> that's not something you can answer in five seconds. <laughs>
I feel like I would somehow like interpret like heaven if that makes sense. I would just like follow my cat around and it'd be like a documentary like action cam type thing where you just see like what my cat does especially when I'm not there. And I feel like that could be a good fit. What was it like? Fifty million dollars. Fifty million dollar budget. You'd have to hire a lot of people. To oh, maybe First different cat stunt doubles. Mm, maybe a stunt double here and there, but my cat is, you know, pretty great. He can do all the stunts by himself. Jackie Chan type deal. I would first like start with like a cat house, a super super big cat house to film inside of, and cameras that just like follow along. I would go out for this cat movie. Don't like worry. It. Fifty million. Fifty million. I got it. You can do it with my cat. And of course, the best treats and stuff whenever they're not filming. Yeah. <laughs> I would probably do one about traveling in a hippie van with my two twins that I'm pregnant with, riding around selling hippie jewelry and how to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome. It would probably be a mystery. Give them a Gatha Christie kind of, you know, with a or an Hercule Poirot, you know, and an old train going mm-hmm. through Hungary and. and you know what I mean? Trans-Siberian Railway. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. With with eight people and one dies and, you know, and he, right? That kind of a story. Probably, um, I'm a social worker, so, um, you know, things that are going on in the world today, something about humanity or, or I don't know, something like that. Mental health issues and things like that. Maybe a documentary. Probably. I'm a I like animated cartoons like Pixar and stuff like that. I mean, you give me all those you want to, I'll watch every one of them. I would probably, ch- I don't know the plot yet because you just asked me, but I'd probably try to, to, to do a movie about um, between 1910 and 1924, centered around that time frame, which I find really, really interesting. And the um, post-industrial age, but before everybody got all, you know, too technical and and so much was happening in the world and um, women were taking over their power in this country and just, it was to me a fascinating time period, the automobile, um, so I need a little more time for the plot. (laughs) Uh, Do you think you could be an actor or actress? No. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> why Why no and yes? I just think I can. I don't know. Because I, I don't mind acting stupid in front of people. I don't know. I, just don't. I know the, the psychology behind it, so I don't mind getting... I wouldn't mind doing stuff in front of people as long as I was, they knew I was acting. I just can't keep a straight face. That's <laughs> That would be... You do comedies. Huh? You do comedies. Yeah, I can do comedies all day long. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I could, but I did not used to think I could, but I think now I could. But when I was young and could have had a chance to study it, I was way too scared. You know, couldn't speak. I didn't have the confidence at all, but I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be really fun. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Just because I do YouTube already, so <laughs> I feel like I could do it because I do my own skits and stuff already. So You do skits on YouTube? Yeah. What is your channel? Oh my God. If, you, if you want to say it, it's I mean, called the Spermies. Um, <laughs> everyone starts as a sperm and becomes something else. So it's kind of <laughs> the, the background to it. <laughs> I don't know. The talent scouts told me that I could do it, gave me the golden ticket, and I couldn't afford to go to the hotel Peabody in Orlando to do the auditions in front of Disney. I was, sick. I was like 16. It's over now. <laughs>
I did some acting schools in New York when I was younger, and uh, he was on a Saturday Night Live. I, I, I uh, <laughs> is there a certain episode you can point us to? There is. There's one episode. <laughs> yeah, back in 1981. Yeah, there's one episode. You know, I sold hostage jeans. Yes. Do, do you know what that was all about? It was no. about 20 years before you. It was. We had hostages in Iran, and Jimmy, Jimmy Carter, Carter, and he couldn't get them out of Iran. So Saturday Night Live did a skit that we were selling jeans to get the hostages out of Iran, <laughs> and so I sold hostage jeans. <laughs> That's awesome, you, you know. No, I, I no. My point was, um, I realized how how deep it is, how how in, into yourself you have to get. I and I don't think I would have had a lot of flexibility in that. There are a lot of things I can't do, like I can't sing. I just I just can't get it out. In a way that would liberate my spirit, so I don't think I'd make a good actor. I wish, but no, I cannot. Why not? JK acts every day, you guys. <laughs> every day. Every time I'm in, I'm in class, I act like a star student. I like I know what I'm doing. Just kidding. No, I can be an actor because I feel like it's too demanding, and so I could be an actor like very low key, but not like in Hollywood because I I feel like me as a person, I would definitely take criticism way too harshly. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of different perspectives. Yeah, I had a great time, and I think people really knew what they were going to say to each question, and I found that really surprising because I, I didn't have answers to a lot of those questions myself. Right, especially like, uh, was there ever a time when a movie really impacted you? It would probably take me a few hours to come up with an answer for that one. Which is really cool because you see how much movies actually mean to people. I love that one woman sharing her memories of her mother taking her to the drive-in. Um, I think she said that it was after after her mother would go bo- go out bowling, she would take them all out to see the drive-in. Yes. It was such a um, a cool story. I, I know I used to go to drive-in theaters as a kid. We watched Galaxy Quest. That movie was terrifying, and I was shaking the whole way back home. <laughs> but uh, drive-in theaters were a lot of fun, definitely. And I can see how that was like a very memorable and impactful time of her life right i think it's really interesting how a lot of people really like horror and thriller movies those movies tend to have more violence and more gore and and that's something that people aren't very comfortable with but one thing they do is really grab you like they they definitely get you and you get those emotional fright reactions um that no other genre can really give you yeah it's definitely more visceral kind of gut feeling uh, which is kind of how people described how they felt whenever there was like a really great movie they watched. Yeah, yeah, that, that seems to be kind of a, a running theme. Like it, the their emotions are really high. You and just get really... completely drawn into it. Mm-hmm. I love the point of representation in movies being an important way to connect to the movie. Uh, and kind of feel like you're more represented in, inside the movie. I actually never thought of it that way. Usually I, I thought of it as for the sake of equality, you know, um, but not so much as, you know, as an individual, how do you connect to a movie? And I think that's actually a really powerful way that you would connect to a movie when you have something on the screen that you kind of look up to and, and see yourself in. Um, I thought that was a really right. interesting idea. Like if you... Um are able to see characters in a movie that look like you or that you can really identify with, then, then you can really feel empowered by the way that those characters act and the acts of heroism that they do. Um, it can give you role models and 
think like, wow, I could be like them. Um, or like you could learn from their mistakes if you're really identifying with them, maybe more so than with a character that's totally unlike you, or even just uh, visually or ethnically unlike you. Um, there might not be that same level of connection or familiarity. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people hate Superman. Have you heard? Have you heard of this? No. Like people just tend to not like Superman or just say bad things about him just because he's he's so superhuman and he's like super strong and he's essentially invincible. That. Oh, I see. Yeah, that he doesn't have identifiable right characteristics that that we know of um, in our own day to day lives. I think that's why a broad audience really liked the new Superman movie, Man of Steel, because it it put more human struggles and uh, traits into Clark Kent's character um, that maybe hadn't previously been seen. And that, that was sort of like a conversation that you have purists saying like, oh, that's not like Superman to be so flawed. Um, but then on the other hand, it really does make him much more dynamic and engaging. So I think it is clear that movies can appeal to such a broad variety of audience. Uh, but I don't think there's a single target audience for movies as a whole. Um, I think like each genre and individual film could be aimed at anyone from like young children to adults to like punky teenagers. Or, yeah. Hooligans. Uh, <laughs> them hooligans. Uh, no, but, or, or just, um, you have some people that are like a fanatic of one genre. And so they make movies for those people that were like sci-fi nerds and, yeah. they, and they they identify that audience and they make that type of movie for them or for people that only like nonfiction. there's so many biography movies or like that movie Sully that's out in theaters right now that's about like a real event the man landing the plane on the Hudson River so, some people like nonfiction just really captures them and so they make movies for those people yeah yeah and another another appeal of films is that it's sort of like an ultimate art form where it combines so many types of media rolled up into one. Uh, like in, in a film there, there can be acting choreography, just like the way the people move around photography and cinematography, um, sculpture as far as like set design music. Oh yeah. Soundtracks. Oh my God. Yeah. So good. <laughs> and, uh, the writing is like so important, of course. Um, like the actors, so I guess it's sometimes actors like improv lines, which is another and, and thing. But even a lot of the improv, a lot of the improvised lines in movies have become some of the more popular scenes in those movies. Yeah, but uh, but writing is hugely important, nonetheless. Um, it really carries the feeling and story of the movie, um, and so movies do so many things at once in like a very digestible format that you just sit down and you take it in in like a logical progression that's laid out for you. Um, and it, and it can entirely engross the audience. Like what our interviewees were saying, how they're just like, they're on the edge of their seat. They're completely caught up in the emotion of it, of what's presented to them. Um, and that's what I think the magic of movies really is, is the ability to completely transport us into another story or perspective and experience. And both audiences and the filmmakers know this. And that's why the film industry is like a several hundred billion dollar industry. Um, 
filmmakers will often spend over a hundred million to produce their own movies, um, and audiences will just kind of come back to see the new movies, even with more expensive ticket prices. I mean, look at 3D movies; they're like fifteen bucks. Right. But I I pay to see them. (laughs) Yeah, I'll pay. Yeah, for sure. So that's all the time we have today, but. Join us this season of Real Retro as we share some of our favorite movies throughout the decades and explore the world of film through many lenses. You can find this podcast and others over at cbxcasts.com. That is cbxcasts Please subscribe and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or other podcast apps to keep up to date with all our content. You can also check out our YouTube page at youtube.com slash cbxcasts. If you want to join the conversation or just let us know if you liked the show, you can find us on Twitter at, at @realretro and Facebook at facebook.com/realretropodcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Or bye. Adiós. Au revoir. Bon voyage. Je m'appelle Hasta la vista. Baby.